Hi, I'm Roman Chuplaka, and today I'm talking to Dominic Steinitz. Hi, Dom. Hi, Roman. And uh, Leonhard Marquette. Hi, Leo. Hey. And uh, the reason we're talking today is because you guys, as part of a larger team, worked on the new version of the Haskell Random package. And I'm really curious uh, what you did there, how you did it, uh, what are the uh, changes that we all need to adapt to now. Uh, but maybe let's start with the general overview. So uh, there is the package called random, and there are other random number related packages. So how does the random package relate to the other packages and what place it uh, has in the ecosystem? Um, so so just, just kind of for context, I think it's important to realize that there are different, yeah, there are kind of random number uh, related packages in the Haskell ecosystem uh, that fill different roles. And and kind of for, for the changes that we made uh, to, to random, I think it's important where to understand kind of where it sits. Um, so there are um, there are packages that implement uh, pseudo random number generators um, and kind of like the sort of at the most basic um, way that works is that they, they just generate um, 32 bit or, or 64 bit numbers uh, that are uniformly distributed and that, that's that's kind of it. Um, that And one, one example here would be the split mix package, for example. Um, so you have the kind of pseudo random number generator implementations. Um, then there are packages that um, provide other distri distributions other than the uniform distribution. Uh, for example, um, random foo is one of them. Um, and then there are packages that try to provide a kind of generic interface to um, random number generation. Um, and that is, I think, uh, kind of one of the sources of random, uh, the random package is, is one of those. Um, and of course, um, like there are mixtures of these. So the random package also contains actually a pseudo random number generator implementation. Um, there are other packages that, that kind of like combine these three aspects in various ways, but um, uh, that that's kind of a, a first idea of sort of classification of, of those packages. I mean, it might be worth adding, Leo, that uh, we're not talking about crypto strength random numbers here that would you'd use for crypto algorithms. The, these are the, the the idea or the purpose of random numbers that we're talking about is to generate random test values or uh, to, to test properties, for example, and um, to generate, to be the base for generating random numbers from distributions, from the normal distribution, from the uh, Poisson distribution, from all the distributions you can think of. Um, you need an underlying source of randomness and the random package, as Leo said, gives you an interface and also uh, a default algorithm. So we're not talking about crypto. And, and again, we're not talking about distributions here. We're just talking about your, you will get, for your 32 bits or whatever, you will get uniform values sampled from that number of bits. Right. And the interface of the random package and I guess the implementation as well uh, hasn't changed for a 
very long time. It's a pretty old package. And uh, recently, it's been sort of the common wisdom that you shouldn't really use random package if you care at all about the the quality or the performance of your random numbers. Um, so can you elaborate, can, can you describe what were the issues with the implementation in the random package? Oh, um, well, uh, there were quite a few issues. I, I mean, the one that attracted my attention five years ago now was the fact um, they, if you weren't careful, you didn't get the random numbers, right? So the quality wasn't particularly high. Um, so that was that was one of the uh, issues. Um, and that was partly caused by people misusing it. I mean, but it was easy to misuse. And what would be one example of like how could you misuse well you could in, you could inadvertently assume that the the function in the interface the next function which produced a random value of int and the new generator you could assume you could inadvertently think that's giving me a random value from int when it doesn't it gives you a random value from the range that the random number generator is defined on and that might just be one bit so if you I mean, you probably, well, I don't know if you would spot it, but you you know, depending on the generator, you might spot it or you might not, and you just get. So depending on the generator, but I think 99% of time, you'd use people them. would just use the standard STD yeah. gen, right? Yeah. So and, and, and yes, and it would fail. Would, would, it be, would it be safe to assume that for the STD gen, the range is like the full range of ints? No, it would not be safe. <laughs> and that's why there's another interface in the package, which then takes the base generator and says, I can, I can generate 32 bits for you. I can generate 64 bits for you. I can, gen floats, I can generate floats for you, et cetera, et cetera. At, at this point, it may be worth um, just kind of ex describing uh, kind of the, the interface that, um, uh, that was in, in uh, random up to version 1.1. Um, and that's also the interface as, as defined in the Haskell uh, 98 report, uh, which is... Um, uh, kind of the, this is sort of the interface to um, to plug in your pseudo random number generator, uh, and it consists of three methods, um, which are a gen range, um, which uh, gives you a a tuple of integers that defines the the range of numbers that the pseudo random number generator itself can natively produce, uh, and then there's a next function which gives you an int, which is always in that range. Um, and then there's a split function, um, which maybe we'll talk about later. But yeah, it, it basically takes one generator and makes two. Um, and and I and kind of what 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 I think kind of um, relate this back to what Dominic said. The um, so it's easy to think, okay, there's a next function. It gives me an int. You know, it's it's easy to make the assumption that that will be uniformly distributed over all ints. Uh, but it's not. It, you have to kind of take into account the the gen range. I mean the split function. I think even when it, I mean, it's a great idea, and clearly you sort of you need it for functional programming. So when you do recursive calls, you want to have two different generators going down to the two different calls. So split, fantastic idea. But the small print in the you know, it said no one. There's not been very much work done on split on the properties of splitting 
random number generators, it doesn't quite say you do this at your own risk, but it really should because splitting was one of its really weak points. So it's, it promised a lot and delivered rather little in that respect. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, the the, um, the the assumption would be that you know um, the idea is you have a generator. Uh, you need two uh, for your recursive calls, or because you, your 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 application is multi-threaded, um, uh, and the kind of what what you want from those two from the result of that split function is two generators that are um, independent. Um, and in some cases, the uh, the generators you got from calling split in random v one point one, we're not, um, and that's a problem. <laughs> um, so those are those are kind of like the the quality um, issues, I think. On on the quality side, I mean this this is unfair. But if you gave the standard random number generator in ran, the random package different seeds, it would give you the identical answer. Now, really, no one guarantees that, but it, it's just surprising. It gives you exactly the same uh, set of numbers. Even if you vary the seed, I mean, clearly you can work around that. But and and to be clear, it's it's not the case that whatever seed you give it, it will give you the same sequence, right? But for some seeds, yeah. for some different, for some pairs of different seeds, it will give you the exact same sequences. In, in particular, ones with few bits set, I think, right? Yeah. Like the if you give kind of the if the seed is some number between one and twenty, yeah. then like the the next generated thing will be will always yeah. be the same, uh, which is. Uh, yeah, surprising, but I mean, there's nothing that says that shouldn't happen. But it's just, you know, you'd feel a lot more confident if it did give different results. And and so you mentioned the the quality of splitting yeah. the generator, and that was noticed several years ago, uh, specifically in QuickCheck. Yes, yeah, so and so they developed another package called um, TF Random, which uh, basically fixed that issue and introduced this high quality splittable generators, right? So was it considered just to uh, promote TF random to the new version of the random package? Uh, yeah, I think well, that we considered that quite a long time ago, back in 2015, or at least I considered it. But I think it's, it's a rather, and it got a rather haskily uh, response, which is, um, there was lots of intellectual debate about what, what the best random number package was and why didn't we go and do a huge amount of work uh, and then fix it, right? But who's going to do this huge amount of work? So there was a lot of theoretical discussions and um, we never, well, no no one was able, we weren't able to move forward, I think, just because there was a lot of discussion rather than the the, the best is sometimes the enemy of the good, I think. And so, what changed now? Uh, first of all, what what motivated you to work work on this? Where, you know, for many years this uh, was an unsolvable problem. <laughs> and uh, what uh, motivated you to finally tackle it and finally fix the random package? So, just to briefly interject here, so, so I think we should also talk about performance because that was that was kind of like the other. Um, the other kind of glaring issue, uh, so so because I think that was kind of the thing that got us or got Dominic. I guess I, I'm I'm just sort of I sort of joined joined this effort at late, um, but but I, I think I think um, the there was a um, a blog post by um, Alexei Kulishevich, 
um, who wrote about the um, uh, who made a performance comparison between different um, uh, implementations of pseudo random number generators in the Haskell ecosystem, and um, and he found uh, something very interesting, and 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 I think that's why. Uh, kind of, it's important to to keep in mind that random was meant to be a kind of like generic API for for um, uniformly uniform values, basically. Um, and and what he found was that um, the way values the, the way values other than ints are generated uh, using the random package uh, is that they go through um, instances of the uh, capital R random um, type class. Um, and, and so there are instances for um, various kind of number types um, that, that you may want to generate. Um, and and what, what Alexei found was that um, the, uh, those instances were implemented in a way that um, sort of converted uh, your, your integral type into an integer, capital I integer, um, then generated a random capital I integer um, uh, using the uh, the next um, and gen range method of the underlying pseudo random number generator, and then and then converted that from the capital I integer back to like whatever your integral type was, like word say, um, and uh, and and what what he found was actually that um, this was a huge overhead, and actually like it completely dominated. Um, like you can you can plug in a pseudo random number generator that is as fast as you want. Um, and uh, and like what would be the, the kind of dominating thing that, that took all the time in actually generating your words or, um, uh, you know, like basically any type other than int uh, was this conversion. Um, and because random is meant to be this kind of generic API for other, for kind of, a pluggable framework where you can plug in your pseudo random number generator. This is really important, um, and uh, and I think the uh, this blog post was uh, kind of what uh, got us like really thinking about performance and 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 kind of made it clear that there was uh, like probably actually a lot of low hanging fruit here um, to uh, to to improve the performance uh, of the random package. Yeah, I sort of think in in hindsight, it's amazing no one had, apart from Alexei had noticed this until. You know, twenty nine, the end of twenty nineteen, um, and I, I went back through the the issues and the the code, which is now twenty over twenty years old, and uh, even in two thousand five, people were saying, "Well, oh, it's it, the performance is really bad. Please, could someone take a look at this?" and and it and it wasn't anything to do with random numbers per se. It was the way the class forced you to go via integer that was causing the problem, and, and surprisingly, no one, you know. Well, I suppose that, like, anything's easy in hindsight, but it, but surprising no one picked it up, and you know, full marks to Alexi for for spotting that, because that's what attracted me. As soon as I saw that, I contacted Alexi, and we, I don't know who suggested it, but I, we said, look, we've got to fix this, you know, and not just fix the the, the quality, but fix the performance as well. It looks like you had three different things through different fronts on which you had to fix things. So the interface itself, as you say, it would force you to go through integers and hurt performance. So you have to fix the interface. You'd have to fix the generator, right? And you would have to fix perhaps some of the instances for specific uh, types. So sh should we talk about the generator first? 
which generators did you consider and how did you decide uh, which one to to stop on all right um so the uh so we we started kind of our, our starting point was um alexis blog post i think um and um actually maybe like maybe maybe dominic maybe maybe you looked at others but um i kind of my thinking was okay well um i don't really want to implement uh, a pseudo random number generator that's really hard uh, and hard to get right um so let's let's use one that already exists um and out of those um let's use let's let's start with the fastest and see if uh kind of its quality is uh kind of sufficient for what, what we want to do. And uh, the fastest um, kind of pure Haskell um, and and pure also in the kind of pure versus monadic sense, um, uh, pseudo-random number generator that Alexei tested was um, split mix. Uh, and so that was that was kind of the first choice. Um, and then um, we uh, actually created um, a, a repository with um, uh, lots of kind of Nix definitions for various um, uh, random number test batteries, um, old and new, um, and then started, and then uh, yeah, basically kind of ran split mix um, and and try to try to understand kind of its uh, its, its quality um, as opposed to its performance. Um, and what we found was that um, it's uh, it's it's a good quality uh, pseudo random number generator, um, both just kind of the generator itself, but also the, the generators that it creates via the split method. And this is kind of like a, an interesting sort of like subtopic to get into maybe. But um, but yeah, basically sort of we, we, we uh, ran loads and loads of um, uh, of these test batteries over, uh, over split mix and found that it's, it, it, like it didn't really fail anything. So, um, so that was, uh, that was an indicator that, you know, it's, it's probably good enough. Um, and so, so that's why we didn't actually, or I didn't actually consider TF random or anything, anything else because split mix was the fastest and it kind of, it's, it's, it's quality seemed sufficient. So, yeah, I mean, we did, I suppose we considered others, but as, as Leo was saying, given the fastest seemed to be pretty good quality, um, it passed pretty much all the tests without split and it passed a lot of them with split uh which is you, you couldn't say that for the original uh, random you couldn't say that for the original algorithm that was used in there um of course it's uh, one thing we shouldn't should have said which is that there is no such thing as best when it comes to random number generators i have a quote here from uh von neumann Anyone who considers arithmetical methods of producing random digits is, of course, in a state of sin. So, the uh, <laughs> you know, there's always trade-offs. You can have a really fast random number generator, but it's not very random, and that might be good for you. Or you can have, well, then you're getting into crypto level, but you can have very high quality, if you like, by, by which we mean passes all known tests. But obviously, it can't be a real random number generator by, by definition. Um, and then you're paying something in performance. But yeah, we looked at, uh, well, we didn't look, we looked, I, can, I think we considered Mersen, Twister, we considered uh, TF, Random. We didn't consider Multiply with Carry, or at least the implementation of it we have, because that's a monadic random number generator, it's, or it's a stateful random number generator, I should say, not 
and and the random interface demands that your uh, your generator is pure. That that was maybe another shortcoming. But I mean, you know, when it was designed in the late nineties or possibly the mid nineties, I mean, monads were quite new. I don't, maybe it was just one of those things that no one thought about at that time. Uh, just a quick forward reference here. So, so in the uh, in the in random v one point two, actually has an interface for kind of pluggable um, stateful PRNGs, um, but but uh, kind of at, at this stage where we were considering um, uh, which which kind of default to use, uh, that wasn't the case, and it's also it's it's good for that to be a pure one. So I'm curious what what that means being a stateful because the standard pure interface it gives you this generator type which can carry the state right so when you talk about these state for monadic generators do they require some kind of monad that is not reducible to a simple state monad my, my, my impression roman is the state is pretty big for like mwc and thus stopping it and starting it and stopping it and starting it will be not very efficient so it's it's rather the copying of the state or yeah. right treating state as a sort of persistent data structure is, is yeah. that what you mean? So it's persistent. Yeah, it's hidden away from you and persistent, and in MWC, multiply with carry, which is a very popular random number generator. And the split makes emerged as the winner, uh, at least performance wise. Uh, can you tell us a bit about? that generator like how does it work on a high level where does it come from i uh, so so split mix comes from um the uh, sort of jvm world is that's my understanding of it um so it's used in uh, both in, in scala and in java since i think java 8 is it a recent algorithm or is it one of the classic ones let me see i should have the uh, the timeline here 2014 and yeah so i i think I'm not an expert on PRNGs, uh, and I, I was hesitant to implement one uh, because of, for this reason. Um, but sort of my 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 understanding of of split mix is basically um, there's a fairly uh, that's kind of like uh, there's always a question of kind of where where do you put the cost essentially. Um, and um, my understanding of the split mix algorithm is that um, there's a fairly cheap um, way to derive the next state from the current state. Um, and this is so. So when you generate a new number, you first do this kind of cheap uh, operation to 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 get to the next state, um, and then you use a mix function, um, which is a, a bijection, like a scrambling bijection on a 32 or 64-bit numbers, depending on kind of which version you're using, um, which kind of takes the state and then generates a number for you, um, and that that is what kind of is output to the user. Um, and um, kind of the, the reason why it's designed in this sort of like two-step way is that the same operation, the same kind of cheap update operation is actually also used to uh, create uh, a new generator. Uh, so, so that way you kind of, uh, so again, like splitting generators is very cheap with Splitnix. Um, and then a, kind of there's a bit more cost to, to actually generating um, a number from the current state. So it's interesting that we think of splitting as an operation that is typical for the pure functional programming uh, style, right? But it 
sounds like the split mix algorithm came from the Java world where they don't care as much about about purity. So do you know what was their motivation to introduce the split operation and make sure it's fast? Hmm. I, I can't tell you exactly why, but I can. I can. Uh, we can. We can make an educated guess. I think, um, and I, I think like a fair, a fair educated guess is, um, is that kind of the the alternative or like one kind of obvious alternative would be to have um, like a, a global generator, and then um, uh, access it from different threads uh, by locking it, uh, and then generating a number, and then unlocking it, um, and so I, I think the kind of in the Java community, perhaps um, kind of purity is is not, or kind of immutability is, is perhaps something that um, is not kind of that high on the priority list. But performances, um, and um, so that that could be that could be one reason. Oh, actually, sorry, <laughs> the paper, the split mix paper says uh, no locking or synchronization is required, uh, and therefore it is suitable for SIMD or GPU implementations. So there you go. <laughs> And so the other thing you had to tackle was the API, right? So you found that the old API was inadequate for high-performance users. And so in which ways did you change the API and how did you ensure that not every single package breaks uh, with the new random version? Um, well, we kept the... This is interesting. We had quite a long debate and quite a heated debate on this, actually. But in the end, it came out pretty nicely um, that uh, we kept the old interface. So all the functions in the class next, gen, range, and split are all still there. So nothing's going to break. Um, but we enhanced the interface to add in you have to, and I'll define have to in a minute, um, generate either int32 or int64, or possibly word32 or word64. I can't remember which one it is now. Probably that word32, word34. Word and um, if you generate, so you have to, if you like, we're saying as a minimum, as a random number generator, you have to, whatever algorithm you use, you have to generate this level. And once you've got to that level in word32 or word64, then it becomes easy to derive random values for other types, or at least there's no cost of going through integer. So, so the change in the interface was to keep it as well, keep the existing functions, so nothing breaks. Add in things that allow you. So the, the random number generator has to has to adhere to this minimum standard, and then you can generate random values of types very very quickly without going through integer. Now, yeah, I think that's it. On, of course, if you kept the old, if you were an implementer of a random number generator and you didn't, you thought, you know what, I'm just going to implement gen range and next, then everything would still run as slowly. But if you implement as a minimum Word 32 or Word 64, everything will run quickly. So, so that that change in the interface was the thing, one of the things that speeded up performance. I think I think this is actually quite easy to illustrate. So just, so just you know, there's just no like. There's no magic happening here. Um, the, it's it's actually quite simple. The um, so the reason why the um, kind of in in the v1.1 implementation with gen range and next um, is is slow is that um, it it can't make as many assumptions, right? Because gen range um, 
is kind of expected to be the same for the same uh, pseudo-random number generator, but it but it, it can be different between them. Um, and so uh, you like basically you always have to loop. Uh, I think I think this is this is kind of like the sort of main takeaway. Like you, you have to loop um, uh, to to make sure you can generate um, some potentially larger number from a potentially quite small number um, that kind of like so if your if your gen range is fairly small then you may need to generate quite a lot of ints to uh actually generate a uniformly random say word 64. um like i i think i think i think that that kind of makes intuitive sense um and the and what we can do um if we know that um kind of the the underlying prng can actually give us like 32 bits just just like that or 64 bits just like that then um for example um we can generate a word eight or a word sixteen or int eight or int sixteen uh, or any kind of any s full bit smaller number just by extracting that many bits. So no loop. This is like and and you know th those are just like this is basically just a bit mask, um, right? So so it's it's kind of intuitive that um, if we like with this um, interface that actually kind of like constrains the PR the underlying PRNG a bit more. Um, in 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 a lot of for a lot of types we can now actually do kind of like straight straight line bit mask uh, and and kind of you're done no no loops no nothing complicated um, and and that's that drives a lot of the uh, performance gains. So that concerns the interface for generators. Did you also have to modify the interface for uh, for types for random types the the random class right? So the that one is the random gen class that we just discussed. And there's also also the random class. Uh, yeah. So 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 in this case, the um, there was no. I, I'd say this was more kind of um, voluntary um, uh, uh, innovation that that happened there. So um, so the um, so what we found was that actually um, random the the random type class um, lets you generate um, kind of a random member of the type. Um, for which that that kind of random instance is is an instance for, um, and also um, a random a value of that type within a range. Uh, and what we found is that that doesn't actually make sense for for every type. Uh, sometimes there is such a thing as so so for example for um, uh, for a float, um, it's kind of sensible to generate a uniformly um, a value within a range. But like just some random float um, doesn't really make all that much sense. Um, uh, whereas kind of you know for Word 64, um, like both just giving give me some random Word 64 and give me um, like a random Word 64 in a range, both of these make perfect sense. Um, and uh, and so we found that actually kind of this was it was like the random type class was just combining too many concepts, and so we split that up. Um, and to be clear. The, the random type class is still there. It's still in, in random v1.1 and actually behaves the same, uh, sorry, in, in v1.2, and it behaves the same as in, as in previous versions, again, for, for backwards compatibility. Um, but uh, for, for new code, um, there's now a uniform and a uniform range type class. Um, and they both have just one function, and there we just kind of split this up. So uniform is for generating a uniform value of the type. And uniform range is for generating a uniform value of that type within a range. Um, so, uh, so that was that was kind of one change that we made. And there's a constraint on both those 
functions, which are they, the generator and their monadic. And that there's a constraint on the generator and the monad that, f- so we can, so with that, we can now support monadic generators such as M- MWC in a uniform way, along with the pure random number generators such as split mix. Uh, and yeah, so now we can support in the new interface, we, you can decide not just which pure random number generator you want to use, you can also use a monadic random number generator, provided you've given the right instances. Are there now two classes for types that uh, you can do just random numbers or random values um, as opposed to another class where you can provide a range? Well, there's sort of three classes. There's the old random class. Then there's the uniform class, which doesn't include floating point numbers and doesn't include integer with a big I. And there's a uniform range, which does include floating point numbers and does include integers with a big I. And how do they interact with these, uh, with a stateful versus stateless dichotomy? There's a way of lifting the pure number generators, random number generators into the stateful framework. And that, if you, so, and you, and there's a lot of defaulting is, is written into the, is written into the um, library now. So if you define a, a pure random number generator, automatically you will get a, a monadic random number generator done for you. I mean, you can change it, but it'll be done for you if you don't do anything. So like, so split mix, which is pure, all you have to do is generate is say it is a random gen, but using the new interface saying and uniform and word sixty four is generated like this. Then everything gets propagated for you, and you now have a uniform uh, type class instance, and you also have a uniform range type class instance, all done by defaulting. So that's how. I mean, that's without going into more details. That's how it's that's how it's done. So you, obviously, you can't define random for MWC, but you can define uniform for MWC. So. And now you have, I'm uh, overusing the word uniform, but you've got a uniform interface <laughs> to generating random numbers. So I see that the uniform class has a uh, so minimal complete definition is uniform M, which I suppose is is monadic, right? Yeah. Is that the only method? And so uh, even if your generator is pure you can only access it through the monadic interface? Am I reading this correctly? You are reading that Yes, correctly. but um, there's a function called uniform uh, at the top level, um, which, um, which sort of takes your, takes your random gen, your pure random gen. Um, and I, I believe it sort of uh, uses the, like a kind of trivial state um, to, uh, to then use uh, like run uniform M, or, or sorry, uh, you were talking about the uniform range. So in that case, um, uniform RM, the uh, the kind of the monadic function, like with a trivial monadic adapter wrapped around your pure generator, um, and sort of does this transparently. So so at the top level, um, you can use uh, there's like a simple function call um, that uh, that you can use with your pure generator. 
Um, and if you if you already have a monadic generator, then uh, you can just uh, call the the method directly. And and there's some helper functions then, uh, Roman. So once you've written your function that say generates ten numbers from a the roll the roll of a dice, you can then if it's one of these pure ones that's lifted, you just there's a, a helper function that'll run it for you and return a pure set of random numbers. So you're not stuck in the monadic world if you've got a pure generator. But obviously, if you've got a monadic generator, you are stuck in the monadic world. But you know, for most programs, you're going to be want to be monadic anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. That's a very good default because with a previous random, I would always like whenever I import uh, systems random, and uh, if I need to generate anything more than just one or two random numbers, I would also input import control monad state and wrap every call to what was the method called random or next. next. Yeah, I would wrap it into this. Oh, random. Random. random, yeah, sorry, yeah, random. Into yeah. the state T, right, or state. Yeah. Uh, so that I can, for example, generate 10 random numbers or n random numbers. So I think monadic by default is a is a very good default. And as you say, by using the state monad, we can put it back into the pure realm. I think that's the interface. Yeah. So I, I just want to kind of um, make sure that, that like, you know, I think I think this is kind of like an interesting kind of API innovation. So so now you can you can actually kind of plug in your 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 pure and your um uh, and and your your stateful um, PRNGs and and one thing I I think there's a potential here to kind of simplify the ecosystem a bit uh, because like right now if you have a monadic or, or stateful um, PRNG uh, because you can't use the random type class with it um, every uh, or, or like every one that I looked at so so for example in uh, MWC random actually has kind of its own variant of uh, the random type class called variate and that was necessary previously uh, and and now in, in theory, if its authors want to, they could um, kind of de depend on the, on the new random and uh, implement uniform and uniform range, uh, or, or just kind of use. Actually, that wouldn't even be necessary because the random library provides them. Uh, so, so there's a there's a kind of like a simplification here in in, in making it more generic. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but there's a, there's a package called Monad Random, where someone where which I think someone wrote. Uh, to to provide a, a monadic interface on top of the random package, uh, and over the years people have asked, "Can I? Can you make it support MWC random as well?" But no one ever got around to doing that. Um, but it seems quite popular. And random foo, which generates random numbers from gen from distributions, um, it does its own form of this so it try it sort of has its own layer trying to make monadic and pure random number generators the same so you can sort of say i'd like my distributions generated by mwc or i'd like my random numbers generated by merce and twister and you don't have to so in terms of as leo was saying simplification i'm hoping to have a go at some point at random foo and strip out a whole layer there and make it just a pure package that just generates from distributions well actually i want to make it more like the r sort of interface where you not, don't just get distributions you get prop density functions and you get cumulative distribution functions as well so so you get the r experience but in haskell 
And so we talked about the interface. And the third thing um, is instances for specific types. And uh, we covered part of that in, in the sense that you put the types into their respective classes, depending on what makes sense for certain types. As you said, it doesn't make sense to generate a random double without a range, right? Um, was there any other work that you did on specific uh, random or uniform instances for specific types? So for instance, I know you uh, spent quite some time on thinking about the right way to generate floats and doubles. Maybe you can talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I think I think that there was like um, there were a few things that we we thought about a lot of things, um, and only some of them actually made it into uh, into the package in the end. Um, and uh, and actually there were so so basically we rewrote um, the instances for basically all types um, uh, because previously they were just all going through integer. And now we could actually kind of use the information that, for example, you know, um, we could just use a bit mask, um, that kind of thing. So, so we we actually rewrote uh, basically all of them, um, and um, and in in some cases that that's that's just really straightforward. So that's the, the those are kind of the, the uniform instances. Then uh, the uniform range instances, um, actually, like both Dominic and I, I think uh, contributed um, uh, kind of new methods here. So the um, so we, we had a look around and actually like generating uh, a a number in a given range without bias um, is not trivial uh, and doing it as fast as possible again um, it makes it makes it a bit harder uh, and so so we both kind of uh, looked around at uh, sort of um, ways of doing that and uh, I think we ended up with there's a there's a an instance of Lemire's method in there um, and also a um, was it the the Apple method? Um, uh, I'd have to think about that. Uh, but uh, yes, so so basically, um, there, there was like uh, so so that was like basically all rewritten. Um, and then we thought long and hard about um, generating uh, floating point numbers um, in uh, first just in in the unit interval between zero and one, and then also uh, kind of in 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 just any interval. Um, which yet yeah, turns out to be quite tricky, but we actually ended up not doing that um, because it just seemed um, potentially uh, not necessary. And uh, kind of for for every other change we made it was basically a Pareto improvement. Like it was like it was just like both faster and of high quality. Um, and in this particular case, uh, it would probably have been somewhat slower um, than what was previously there. And so so we didn't we didn't even want to have. To kind of to force that trade-off onto users, uh, and so so we decided to just go with uh, kind of what was uh, effectively something along the lines of what was already there. We actually changed that too, um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Dominic, you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about floating points? Well, I, I think you're yeah. I, so Leo came up with a great way of testing. So if you imagine a really simple-minded way of doing floating point random numbers is to generate a twenty. Let's say it's float. Generate a 23-bit mantissa by generating a 32-bits and just masking off seven and keeping the exponent fixed. Let's say the exponent for one to two, right? So now you've got some random numbers over the range one to two, and then you can scale and shift that to get the full floating point 
you know, every but 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 that that will not generate. You'll miss a lot of random numbers because they the the small the closer you get to zero, the more densely packed they are, and you can't by scaling and shifting, you're not going to get that. So, if you do that method I just outlined, uh, Leo measured this, and he it, we found you got something like 0.7.8 percent of all floating point numbers were generated, which sounds slightly worrying. Uh, but then the method we did come up with, which was, which was basically um, turning everything into doubles and doing a divide, um, that then covered about seven or eight percent of floating point numbers. Now, and, and theoretically, we kept, we had this. I've forgotten who was it. Lemire. Uh, no, it wasn't Downey. Lemire. It was yep. Downey. Downey. All these names. Um, he's got this method, which another guy, had, Christoph Conrad, had also worked on um where you could sort of like if you imagine you you choose your mantissa at random but now which they're not called decades because we're in binary they're called well they seem to be called bin aids which is a horrible word um you could sort of say well we'll go in this bin aid half the time and we'll go in the bin aid below the other half of the time except we will go to the bin aid below that half of half the time if you sort of mean so you but you, you can imagine by the time you got down to the very the, the bin aids near zero, you virtually no chance of picking one of those because it'd be, t- you know, like in float, it would be two to the one two seven, wouldn't it? Something like that. So, you know, so it, even though theoretically you might choose all the random numbers, all the floats that are available, practically you're never going to do that. So, so we compromised and went for this one that covered the seven percent. So that seemed quite a reasonable compromise. And of course, and a lot of other people do it and it passed all the tests. I was just going to say on, on ranges, that is quite a lot harder than you'd think. And I highly recommend, well, I recommend anyway, anyone doing random numbers is to read Melissa O'Neill's uh, blog posts on random numbers. And she's got a great one on um, ranges and why, you know, because I thought like most people, oh, well, you just do a mod, you know. And you, but if you mod things, then you end up picking, you know, depending what the modulo is, you'll pick some numbers more frequently than other numbers. So, so you or you start off being, you, you're doomed to be biased from the word go. So, so it's not as trivial as you think doing ranges. I thought it was, and it certainly isn't. And so speaking of tests, uh, can you talk about these uh test batteries um, that, that you use basically uh, sets of statistical tests uh, which I understand you use to um, verify that split mix is a good generator um, yeah sure so so there's um, uh, there are a bunch of um, these uh, test batteries around um, and um, uh, they are um, they range from kind of ancient to uh, to, to kind of fairly recent developments. Um, and uh, they are basically, um, they are kind of the, the usual yardstick for um, pseudo-random non-cryptographic uh, generators. Uh, cryptographic ones have a completely different um, kind of process. Um, and and usually, like it's, I think it's, it's kind of generally accepted that if your if you're pseudo-random number uh, generator kind of passes one of, one of or one of the kind of larger of those tests, then it's probably fine. How do these look like? Did you have to implement them in Haskell, or is it just a, an external program that you compile and uh, give it your random numbers? 
Uh, yeah, so this is this is actually something where we uh, we spent a bit of time on uh, to kind of get the setup right. Um, so uh, for for some of some of these kind of accept um, files or or just uh, kind of like a Unix pipe as as the input, um, some some of these kind of in sort of the original form actually um, require you to implement your um, uh, your generator kind of within the framework of the test in, in C or C++. Um, but uh, what we did, we, we just kind of uh, changed them. And and if uh, if that was the case, we, we actually found an implementation. I think this is for test U1, U01, um, where normally you would have to implement your, your generator in, in, in C++, I think. Um, but uh, like we used a trick where basically um, there's, uh, there's kind of uh, the implementation of the pseudo random number generator that that we then use is actually just reads from standard in and sort of passes that on to to the test itself. Um, so that that is kind of one way of um, so, so we because we wanted to make it as easy as possible to run uh, as many of these tests uh, and so so that's what we did. So so uh, yeah, for for a few of these we had to make uh, kind of small changes uh, and now we have this this repository where you can run uh, five different um, of these test batteries uh, just by kind of piping into them. Um, which, uh, which, yeah, just just kind of made made the whole setup easier for us, uh, and and we hope potentially for other people as well. Like I, I, I just kind of created a few scripts for to test kind of the Python and Lua and and you know whatever. Like if it can write to standard out, um, you can you can test it, uh, basically, um, and um, yeah. So so we we kind of spent some time on that setup just to get that right. And, and just to give our listeners a feel. Of these tasks, like what what sort of statistical properties are they checking? The 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 one I use as an example, Roman, is the birthday one. So the I I mean I imagine most people are familiar with the birthday paradox, which is if you have twenty three children in a class, there's a fifty percent chance that two of them will share a birthday. Uh, and this is called a paradox. It, well, it isn't a paradox; it just is surprising. And maths teachers over the ages have used this to impress their their pupils or students, and uh, so the idea. So you would expect something like that to happen, right? So when you're testing random numbers, you don't just say, "Well, does it look spread out over naught know, to two to the thirty-two, or naught to the two to the thirty? What two minus one? You you say, "Well, we expect some clashes, a, a certain number of clashes." Uh, while we're running the random number generator, do we get those expected, or do we get close to that expected number of clashes? And if, um, if not, then you can say, well, it looks like a random number generator, but it's certainly not behaving like a random number generator. It might be covering all the bases. It might be, you know, when you draw your histogram, it might be every every cell has got the right, an average right number of hits in it, but... Um, it didn't pass the birthday test. So that's one of them. And it's, I don't know, I don't know how many there are of them, 20, 30, 50, a lot of tests that people keep coming up with that, you know, and of course, eventually someone will come up with a test and your random number generator will fail it because it's not truly random. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe like, so, so looking into these, these tests is, is really weird because the, um, there isn't, like you can't really just look at a sequence of numbers and say this is random or this is not random. Uh, and so sort of the 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 what these batteries do is is they say okay, so so real uniform numbers have these properties. Does does the output of this generator have that property too? 
but yeah, as like as Dominic said, it's 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 kind of strange because it's just um, like these are built up by kind of from weaknesses that were found in previous uh, PRNGs, and so um, you're basically just kind of excluding. So if 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 your PRNG passes the test, then it it that really just means that it it does not have all the weaknesses that kind of previous ones had. Any parting words before we wrap this up? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, um, and um, I uh, just want to quickly uh, sort of a quick call to arms here. So we're we're actually trying to get um, the version one point two, which is sort of the new version that we've released. Um, into uh, stackage LTS, um, uh, but for that uh, we need people to um, increase the the upper bound uh, from 1.1 to 1.2. So please do that. Um, uh, and um, so Dominic has been running um, uh, tests, and um, there should hardly be any issues with just increasing the upper limit. Uh, and if there are, then you probably already have a PR from us uh, on your uh, on your repo. Uh, to fix that oh yeah we should have said we should have said that it was another big we wrote a script that ran the new the 1.2 against all packages in hackage and there were remarkably few breakages and we turned off upper bounds checking um there was a few name clashes and we sent the package owners prs to fix those so it really should have been a very painless i think it has actually judging by the fact there's no no one's complained so far. <laughs> there's always the, there's always tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so we went to quite a lot of trouble to not to to not make it because who who you know we all we all look after packages and no one enjoys having to do, go in change the names and make sure you haven't you're hidden something or you've qualified imports or and then recompile it, check it upload it again to hackage no one enjoys doing that just for the sake of it so we went to quite a lot of trouble to try and avoid that cool and uh, apart from that obviously uh, uh like a big thank you to uh alexey kulishevich uh, he like he kind of got us onto this again uh, again in the case of dominic um after after many years um with his blog post and then um like did major major work on on the actual implementation um so uh so yeah huge uh, huge thank you then alexey uh kudyakov um, uh, kind of also supported the the implementation and had like provided lots of feedback. Um, that was that was really helpful. Uh, I guess Oleg Grenrus as well for the um, like excellent split mix implementation um, that is now the basis for for the that is now the default um, uh, generator. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, really. Um, <laughs> really fun. And it was a lot more work than I think anyone anticipated, really. Um, and I'm not, yeah, I, I think it was like nine man months. That's some, you know, quite, so, you know, no wonder it took a long time. No, no wonder it's taken 20 years to fix it, I suppose, because uh, it was a lot of work. But, but it's been a lot of fun and we hope the whole community can now benefit. Yeah, great job, guys. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for talking to me today. Okay, thanks very much, Roman. <laughs> thanks, Roman. <laughs>